Y'all, I'm not sure how I did it, but I am here. I got it. I'm literally five seconds in the door as we speak. Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. It is looking like it's going to rain. Those wonderful summer afternoon showers are approaching. 232-1542. If you want to call in and be part of the program today. Well, yeah. Got to break the news this morning on uh, on Acadiana's Morning News. As uh, Mark, who's sitting across from me, and Jacob were in, we were all in for Winging It Wednesday. And, of course, just kind of teased the fact that the inflation numbers came in. And uh, economists were expecting a very grim 8.8% in inflation. That was the expectation going into today. We got 9.1%. So as bad as they were expecting, it was worse. It was worse out there, and it's going to continue to be pretty bad. So what does all of this mean? Well, if you go to kpel965.com, you uh, scroll down just a little bit, you'll see the show notes for the day posted. The inflation problem is worse than we feared. I've got a little bit of, of an explainer. Here's what the Wall Street Journal says. U.S. consumer inflation rose to a new four-decade high at an annual rate of 9.1% in June, extending a year-and-a-half stretch of persistently higher prices. Now, before I go on, in contrast, a year ago, before Vladimir Putin's war in Ukraine, inflation, uh, uh, consumer inflation had risen by 5.4% as of June last year. So this is something that has been happening for far longer than the Biden administration actually wants to tell you, wants you to think. Anyway, continuing with the Wall Street Journal. The Consumer Price Index's rate of increase last month was the highest since December 1981, the Labor Department said on Wednesday. It also eclipsed May's annual rate of 8.6% that led Federal Reserve officials to shift a fat to a faster pace of benchmark interest rate increases in its campaign to bring down inflation. The report likely keeps the Fed on track to raise its benchmark interest rate by three-quarters of a percentage point at its meeting later this month. Stocks dropped and bond yields jumped following the inflation report. Core prices, which exclude volatile food and energy components, increased 5.9% in June from a year earlier, slightly less than May's 6% gain, the Labor Department said. Now, the Biden administration has issued a statement on this, and I want to read uh, part of this statement to you. The Biden administration is continuing to basically pass the buck on anything bad and try to take credit for anything good. While today's headline inflation reading is unacceptably high, it is also out of date. Energy alone comprised nearly half of the monthly increase in inflation. Today's data does not reflect the full impact of nearly 30 days of decreases in gas prices. That we have reduced the price of the pump by about 40 cents since mid-June. Those savings are providing important breathing room for American families and other commodities like wheat have fallen sharply since this report. So the Biden administration is saying, well, you know, it's not that bad. Because gas prices are going down and wheat prices are going down. Never mind if you go and try to buy like a, you know, a one pound or two pound package of bacon at the store, you're still going to be paying a whole lot. 
I know this because I spent an hour and a half at Walmart today trying to find the best prices on things while still being able to feed my family. Inflation is our most pressing economic challenge, the Biden administration said. It is hitting almost every country in the world. Now, I, I, we need to talk about this on a global scale because, yes, inflation is being seen around the world. And in fact, some countries are now catching up to the U.S. But inflation in the U.S. has been sharply higher than everywhere else in the world. Why? Because Joe Biden pushed through the American Rescue Plan. And because they pushed through the American Rescue Plan and a major infrastructure bill, a lot of money is now floating out there, a lot of it being handed to American families, devaluing the dollar, putting more money than there were actual supplies into the economy, causing the inflation crisis in the first place. It's not entirely Joe Biden's fault. Of course, there was COVID relief before Joe Biden took office. Donald Trump pushed for a very long time for, in, for interest rates to stay low, even going so far as to threaten the Fed to keep them low. But a lot of what has caused the economy to flounder has been directly the result of the Biden administration's policies. The American Rescue Plan was a big part of that. Their vow to fight fo the fossil fuel industry has hurt American energy production and therefore the global energy production to the nth degree. It's made everything substantially worse. You can't go to the grocery store and really see the decrease in gas costs and the decrease in wheat costs when you're looking at everything on the shelves because everything else is still expensive. I somehow walked out of there without paying $200, although I came like four cents away. And it's only because I left the grocery list at home, so I don't think I got everything I was supposed to. Mostly because my daughter wanted to hold the grocery list and then forgot to give it back to me. This is still a major economic crisis, and it is still a problem that the Biden administration is the, is the cause of and needs to accept responsibility for. Meanwhile, Democrats are not taking the problem very seriously at all. On one hand, you've got Democrats that are pushing ahead with their, uh, con with their climate and their tax agenda. Politico reporting that Chuck Schumer and Joe Manchin have spoken on more than half a dozen times as they keep negotiations on bills on climate change and, and raising taxes going. The far left base of the Democratic Party is still pushing for the Democrats in Congress to get something on the environment, something on taxing the rich done. Never mind that that's going to cause even more economic harm. The Democrats are plowing ahead with the bad ideas that got us to where we are in the first place. And when they're not doing that, congressmen like Eric Swalwell are out there making jokes. Jim Jordan, Republican from Ohio, tweeted 9.1%. And Eric Swalwell's response was, 
those are the chances that Jim Jordan saves a teenager from a coach. You know, the 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 whole Jim Jordan, uh, uh, the the. The, Olymp- the the gymnastics scandal was tied into Jim Jordan was partially tied to that. Eric Swalwell is out there making jokes about sexual assault rather than acknowledging the fact that his own party is responsible for the economic problems we're seeing. The Democrats are not taking this seriously. And now Joe Biden is in Saudi Arabia. And he is asking, he is pleading for OPEC to produce and release more oil into the market. I want to talk about that next and why that is important here on the Joe Cunningham Show. We're going to go ahead and take a break on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. So Joe Biden's in the Middle East. He is going to Saudi Arabia. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but the media is generally freaking out about Joe Biden going to the Middle East and in particular visiting Saudi Arabia. And their concern is, oh, well, Saudi Arabia is just home to so many human rights abuses. What they're really mad about is Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman who is apparently a pariah. The media is upset because MBS, as he's known, the Saudi crown prince, ordered the assassination of Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi. And of course, any slight against the media is going to be met with a lot of retribution in the form of black ink all over pages and all over the internet. Yes, Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman is a horrible human being for ordering anybody to be assassinated, journalist or otherwise. But you have to keep in mind that the Biden administration really needs the support of Saudi Arabia and OPEC. In an op-ed at the Washington Post. There is one line in this. Now, the whole op-ed is, is lamenting Joe Biden going to Saudi Arabia. Here's the, here's the two lines you need to understand why Joe Biden's doing this. So why is President Biden now going to Jeddah on bended knee to shake the pariah's blood-stained hands? Once again, he is seeking votes. This is about oil. This is only about oil, which is actually a problem for the Biden administration. Saudi Arabia is largely tapped out on their production and on their distribution. Saudi Arabia is largely tapped out, as are most of the OPEC countries. The problem here is that Joe Biden only wants oil from Saudi Arabia. A little bit of a history lesson here. It's not, it's not, you know, distant history. It's very recent. Just a few short years ago, Donald Trump essentially told the Middle East, I'm not getting involved. Y'all fix the problem. And what happened? The Abraham Accords happened. And Middle Eastern countries started shaking hands and coming to the table and sitting down and talking with Israel. 
Donald Trump, by saying, I'm not getting involved, forced Middle Eastern countries, the Arab world, most of them, to sit down at the table with Israel, the Jewish state. No talk of a two-state solution. No talk of war. The only thing that these countries that sat down with Israel were concerned about was Iran. Iran has human rights problems out the wazoo. And yet, the journalists in our country want the Biden administration to work with Iran. The media wants Joe Biden to come up with a new Iran nuclear deal, despite the fact that Iran is never going to abide by any terms set and there's going to be no punishment and the United States government led by the Democrats wants to give Iran more money. But because the crown prince of Saudi Arabia ordered the assassination of a journalist who was part of a major U.S. outlet, the human rights abuses of Saudi Arabia are just too great. Joe Biden can't go and shake their hand. Saudi Arabia is a potential ally in a region of the world that is horribly, horribly chaotic. And the dominant power there is Iran. And Iran is a terror-backing state that has sworn to back the destruction of the United States. The reason it is a problem is that Joe Biden has ignored Saudi Arabia to the point where the Saudis are now looking at Russia and possibly even China as potential partners because Joe Biden literally would not pick up the phone and answer MBS's phone calls. Quite literally, that is what happened. The Saudis tried to reach out at the beginning of Joe Biden's term and Biden out of outrage over the killing of Jamal Khashoggi, Biden wouldn't answer the calls. And then MBS wouldn't answer Biden's calls when the energy situation started to get bad. MBS was making flirty eyes with Russia. But in the Middle East, you have Saudi Arabia, you have the rest of the Arab world that is looking at Iran and realizing they are a major destabilizing power and they are a threat to the Middle East. And Israel has the military might, has nuclear weapons, and has the technology that the rest of the Middle Eastern world needs to modernize and be effective and to be able to stand up to Iran and other powers. And so like him or not, Donald Trump did the right thing by essentially getting all of these countries at the table together and making the Abraham Accords happen. Despite the fact that every foreign policy expert, every establishment person said there's no way it's going to happen, it's a fool's game, and everything Donald, Donald Trump touches is wrong anyway, moving the embassy in Israel was wrong. Being tough on Iran was wrong. All of these issues, everybody said Donald Trump was wrong on. And as it turns out, for a brief period of time, things in the Middle East were more stable. But then Joe Biden comes in, he ignores the Saudis, he ignores them, except when the energy crisis starts to get bad. And as a result, Joe Biden has to go over there now again on bended knee to beg for more oil, but he's not actually going to talk about any of the diplomatic issues because he really wants to partner with Iran. 
because Iran can deliver more oil. Venezuela, another place with a stellar human rights record and a stellar democratic record. They want Iran and Venezuela to help beef up the global uh, energy supply. And they want to be partners with them, but ignore the Saudis because MBS is a terrible human being. The Democrats have not thought any of this through. The Biden administration has not thought any of this through. And so now you have the media mad at Joe Biden for going to Saudi Arabia. You have the Democrats mad at Joe Biden for wanting to see more oil produced and into the global market. And you have an economy that's on the verge of collapse. 232-1542. Let's go ahead and take our bottom of the hour news break. When we come back, a couple other things in the news we need to talk about. That and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Earlier this week, uh, I mentioned the story of the 10-year-old girl who allegedly had to cross state lines to get an abortion. And I mentioned that there was not a whole lot of verification of the story and that there was concern that it was a fake story. And now today we have the sad confirmation that the story is true. Now, if you'll recall when I brought it up, I think the big thing that that bothered me was the people who were talking about the story were outraged that a 10-year-old girl would have to travel across state lines to get an abortion, not the fact that a 10-year-old girl was clearly raped and impregnated because a 10-year-old cannot consent. As it turns out, the best case scenario was that the story was fake. And as it usually is the case, the reality was less ideal than the best case scenario. Columbus police were made aware of the 10 year old's pregnancy through a referral by Franklin County Children's Services that was made by her mother on June 22nd. On June 30th, the girl underwent a medical abortion in Indianapolis. There are still, there are still some issues. We don't know when it was reported to police. What we do know is the arrest was made the day after the Ohio Attorney General appeared on Fox News and said that he hadn't heard a peep about it. And so right now there's a bunch of people on social media in the political sphere saying, well, all these conservatives said this was a fake story. The people who are saying that are the same people who were outraged that a child had to cross state lines for an abortion. They are not really reacting to the fact that a girl, a 10-year-old girl, was raped. Here's why that's a bad thing. Gershon Fuentes is the name of the man who was arrested. Allegedly an illegal immigrant... Fuentes is reported by the Columbus Dispatch to have confessed to raping the 10-year-old girl on at least two occasions. He has been charged with rape and is being held on a $2 million bond. 
U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement has placed a detainer on Fuentes, who is from Guatemala. So this story now it has multiple dimensions that we have to break down. First of all, the child actually didn't need to cross state lines. Under Ohio law, there's not just a life of the mother exception. In the case of a 10-year-old girl, it is perfectly acceptable for that child to get an abortion. It is not safe for a 10-year-old to carry a child. But there is the fact that everyone who is now crowing about the story being true is celebrating that a 10-year-old girl was raped more than once by an illegal immigrant. The immigration issue, of course, being something Democrats actually don't want to focus on right now because there is a crisis at the border. A friend of mine put it best. and It's a friend that I wish was still in the political commentary world, but he's not anymore because he just kind of gave up after 2016. This is one of those stories where everybody involved comes out looking a little worse than they did going in. And he's absolutely right. He is absolutely correct. This is one of those situations where everybody comes out looking pretty bad. This should not be a story that people are dunking on and saying, yes, it's true. You guys suck. You thought it was fake. We should not be celebrating that this was true. We should be horrified that this happened. And the attorney general who, was, who, uh, who had said he hadn't heard a peep from law enforcement about it, who hadn't heard a peep from prosecutors about it, all he said in a statement when informed about the, or when asked about the arrest, and I'm glad that this person is off the streets. And he's right. Anytime a child rapist is picked up off the streets, things in the world are a little bit brighter. But this is a serious problem because we are now using these issues. We are now using these issues as a way to dunk on each other about a story that is horrific. It is unfortunate that we are celebrating it this way. I, it, I'm really kind of at a loss for words because the story is so tragic. Now, the reason people were concerned about the authenticity of the story is that there was only one source initially, the abortionist in Indiana. And the abortionist in Indiana, by the way, is probably still in legal trouble because she never apparently reported the sexual abuse of a 10-year-old. All she did was tell a reporter a story about it. The reporter's in the wrong for not verifying. There were no police reports. There was no eyewitness account. 
There was nobody from the family who would go on the record. All you had was the one doctor, Caitlin Bernard or something like that, who told the story to a reporter in order to gin up sympathy for the lack of abortion access in Ohio. And as it turns out, there was no lack of abortion access for this 10-year-old. The best case scenario, in all, in all likelihood, what happened is the 10-year-old's doctor in Ohio was concerned that maybe it wouldn't be legal to do this and so referred to the nearest clinic out of state, which is perfectly fine. This is a story no one should be celebrating, but the left is celebrating that the story is true because it, it reinforces what they were saying from the beginning, that a lack of abortion access is dangerous to children. I'm sorry. That, that isn't held up by the, the, the facts of the case. But here we are. 232-1542. Let's go ahead and take an early break because that was a bit of a downer. I want to come back with something not as much of a downer when we get back. Let's talk about what's happening on the presidential scene. What's happening ahead of 2024? We've got a couple of moves I need to talk about here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. So right now, Gavin Newsom is in Washington, D.C., meeting with the presidents and meeting with lawmakers, talking about the issues that are important to the hard left, but really aren't all that important to the folks who are gathered around their kitchen tables wondering how they're going to pay for their next grocery bill. Ron DeSantis is hosting Republican governors in Florida, meeting with po Republican politicians, talking about, you know, his experience in, in winning against the Democrats and against the media in Florida. Those two are making plans for a 2024 presidential bid. Now, if Joe Biden runs in 2024, Newsom won't run. Newsom's relatively young. He can still run in the next election cycle if need be. But it's becoming very clear that both sides are pretty much giving up on the midterms. They're, they're still kind of performatively trying to do it. But at this point... Everybody is ready to move on to 2024. Joe Biden is in a lot of trouble. His administration is doing extremely poorly. And he is not doing great on the campaign, not in the campaign chair. He's not doing great in public speaking. Uh, just earlier today, he was in Israel and he was talking about the Holocaust. And he had a very embarrassing incident. I wish I had the clip ready, but... Um, oh, gosh, let me find the clip. Joe Biden is talking about Israel and talking about the Holocaust. He says, we have to keep alive the truth and honor of the Holocaust. And then he, go, and then he corrects himself and says the horror of the Holocaust. Yes, he flipped up his words. He actually was talking about we have to honor uh, we have to honor uh, what ha those who lost their lives during the Holocaust. That was the next bit of the speech. But these are flubs that are only getting worse. That was that was the best, you know. That honestly, in any way he could have flubbed in a speech about the Holocaust, that was the best case scenario. Um, and he corrected himself pretty quickly. He caught the mistake there. 
But these are just getting worse. His inability to speak without making a mistake in public, his tendency to go off script and his White House having to correct him, or in the case of speeches like these, having to go in and stealth edit the transcripts of the speeches later on the website. The Democrats are just kind of fed up. The Biden administration didn't deliver. Everything is getting worse under the Biden administration. And now you have Ron DeSantis, who's clearly making a play for 2024. You have Gavin Newsom, who sees vulnerability and is one of the sharks swimming around the Biden administration, just waiting for Biden to say that he's just a little too mentally taxed. And you know what? Economically, in all other issues, everything's getting worse. Check this out. Tell me that the Democrats are going to have a better than expected midterm in the following story. Starbucks is permanently closing 16 locations around the U.S. by the end of July, the Wall Street Journal first reported. After careful consideration, we are closing some stores in locations that have experienced a high volume of challenging incidents that make it unsafe to continue to operate to open new locations with safer conditions. I want you to tell me what the following locations have in common. West Hollywood, Los Angeles, Santa Monica, Philadelphia, Portland, Seattle, Washington, D.C. They're all run by Democrats. All run by Democrats who have been soft on crime. All run by Democrats who haven't exactly shied away from the, Demo- from the, the Democratic base shouting, ACAB, defund the police. The same people who condoned rioting, condoned the burning down of businesses and private property last summer, I'm sorry, the summer of 2020, who are fine with some of the violence out there now among the far left base activism. 16 Starbucks permanently closing. The one in D.C. hurts the Democrats a lot because a lot of their congressional staffers staffers stop at the Union train uh, Union Station train concourse in D.C. to get a Starbucks before going to work. And so now that they're missing out on their precious coffee before they go into work and advance whatever agenda the Democrats are trying to advance, even the staffers are going to be cranky. I hope that they can find the uh, safety and relative comfort in a Keurig machine because it's just slightly better quality of coffee. I say that like I don't drink Starbucks if I have the opportunity, especially if I'm driving. It's terrible coffee. But sometimes you desperately need caffeine, so you just get whatever source is close by. I admit I've, I've fallen off the, the glorious and true uh, path of community coffee and gotten Starbucks several times. But all of that said, once again, it's like CVS It's like Walgreens. It's like other stores that have just closed up shop in Los Angeles, San Francisco, elsewhere in California, because prosecutors simply aren't uh, prosecuting the crime that is happening in and around those stores. It's unsafe. And this is just as visible to Democratic voters 
when it's happening in their cities at their favorite Starbucks locations. No longer can they pay $10 for a venti uh, white hot mocha with an extra shot of espresso and a shot of caramel with almond milk to make it healthy. They can't get their $10 mocha anymore. They see that, and they see the reasons why. So if you think that right now the voters favoring Republicans by one to two points is somehow an okay thing, that that means the Democrats can fight back, consider the Democrats who are just going to stay home. Or the Democrats who might be more toward the center, who might flip to the Republican side. Consider all of that before you say that, hey, the numbers aren't looking so bad on the generic ballot. Because when you look at what's happening on the ground, when you look at the issues that are concerning all Americans, the Democrats aren't addressing them at all. Again, Los Angeles, Hollywood, Santa Monica, California, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Portland, Oregon, Seattle, Washington, Washington, D.C., all Democrat-run cities, their Starbucks have to close down because they're in crime-ridden areas. And they're only crime-ridden areas because prosecutors aren't doing anything to stop the crime. Because the, uh, the law enforcement in those cities has gone woke. 23 hours till the next Joe Cunningham show. In the meantime, joining Shannon Wilkerson on Offsides here in just a few minutes. But until then, you can follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, and email me, Joe at RedState.com. Check out the podcast version of the show on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Y'all tune in tomorrow for more of the Joe Cunningham Show right here on News Talk 96.5 KBEL.